Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we look ahead to some of the events that will be moving markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means we'll be taking a close look at the new investment landscape post-Trump and indeed post-Brexit. We'll also dial into some of the mobile phone operators. I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor and commentator for The Times, Alexandra Freen, our business columnist, and Alex Ralph, markets reporter for The Times. Welcome to you all. Thanks for being here. First of all, Philip, I'm going to start with you, but here's a clip of Donald uh, Trump in his acceptance speech. I suppose we must get used to calling him President-elect Trump. Every single American will have the opportunity to realize his or her fullest potential. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. We are going to fix our inner cities and rebuild our highways, bridges, tunnels, airports, schools, hospitals. We're going to rebuild our infrastructure. Philip, all about infrastructure spending. Can he actually do it? It's pretty ambitious, isn't it? He's going to fix the world for everybody. Everyone's going to be happier. Yeah, he, he is pledging to do, uh, you know, big fiscal stimulus. There's going to be massive tax, tax cuts, both for, both for businesses, individuals. And, and on the other side, there's going to be a big uh, spending splurge. Um, he's going to be spending a fortune on defence um, and uh, something like $600 billion over 10 years on... Uh, uh, you know, upgrading the roads and rail on its own, that should that should lead to higher levels of growth. I mean, everyone was predicting that if Trump was elected, and which the markets didn't want to happen, then it would be a bit of a, an apocalypse. But in fact, when he got up and spoke soon after being elected, um, with the markets having a fit, it was the word, you know, people were saying it was his conciliatory tone which did it, but it was, that, it was probably that word infrastructure which he, which, which he said in that speech and which, it, it, which helped soothe the markets. And as, as we saw, they all shot up, particularly those that are, ex- are exposed to the construction industries. I think we've also got to thank Carl Icahn for what happened on the markets. You know, when, when prices fell, he just piled in. He spent a billion dollars first thing in the morning and said, I would have spent more, but, you know, he couldn't get his hands on the money. Once he did, um, others did, the billionaire investor, Druckenmiller said he was going to do the same. He said he'd sold all of his gold on Tuesday night and he was going to pile in as well. So I think if you get a a couple of big-name investors, they can help move sentiment. And then you've got the infrastructure spending thing, which, you know, let's remember, the president can only affect certain types of infrastructure at a federal level. He can't tell the states what to spend. And a lot of the things he 
talked about in his speech the responsibility of states. So he's going to have to get the state legislatures on board and he may have Congress on his side. That doesn't mean that he'll have the state legislatures on board. So he, he's, he's, he's got to get it past them. Basically, in the short term, it should be, if he can get this, this stuff through, which still is a big if, he will give the economy um, a shot in the arm. The the bigger issue is, you know, whether any of this will be lasting. Um, You know, at the same time, he's going to be borrowing an absolute fortune, potentially, uh, to pay for all of this. One of the independent uh, federal uh, budget analysts has uh, estimated that it's going to add 5.3 trillion to the national debt. And just to put that in context, the national debt in America is 14 trillion at the moment. So, you know, if you if you can't spend 5.3 trillion and get a little bit of growth, uh, then there's something seriously wrong. But can he afford it? But can America afford it longer term? I mean, that's a bigger question. And he and his his answer is, yeah, because I'm going to double the level of growth, so you know, I can I can afford to spend a lot more. But it it may be wishful thinking. The stimulus will last for a little bit, but you know, then uh, you know, all of this extra debt will have just piled up. I suppose from an from an investor point of view, it's the mentality is often you know shoot first and, and ask questions later, and 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 for now they're they're pretty happy to to sort of ride this this wave. But there is a trickle down effect surely over into the UK. And we mentioned in the intro, didn't we, that there's a post Trump post Brexit reality that everybody's going to have to get used to, particularly investors in the market. Do you feel, first of all, Philip, we've seen what stimulus can do, as you said, it works short term, but longer term. There just isn't the money there. And if it was, then China presumably is going to own even more of America than it does already in its debt terms anyway. Longer term, actually, a lot of this will depend on you know, his trade policies, which he's obviously uh, he's obviously said that he wants to you know, pull back and retreat from globalization. And, you know, if if he cuts uh, if he cuts off China, 35 percent tariffs, I think he's been talking about if he stops uh, businesses outsourcing outside of America, which he's also threatened and he disbands NAFTA and all these other deals, you know, the overall levels of growth will um, will long term suffer. And um, on top of that, you're, you're going to see massive price rises if you know if his policies go through. Again, a big if. Um, you'll see massive price rises. The iPhone's going to become more expensive. You know, cars will become more expensive, and and so you're just basically moving the problem from people who maybe are out of work because they're being priced out by. Uh, overseas manufacturers into this becoming an inflationary problem. He won't, they won't be able to afford what they what they used to be able to afford. You, so the living standard situation won't necessarily improve, but people may temporarily have more jobs. And can I just butt in? I think that's a really good point because I think the reason one of the many reasons why Donald Trump won was this feeling of disaffection amongst so many people that median incomes in America you know, they will be lower when Barack Obama leaves office than when he came into office. And you can say the same for Bush before him. They've been going down in real terms. And uh, the idea that, you know, unless you can reverse that, make people feel that their income has gone up, um, he's going to lose popular support for all those measures that he says he's going to do. You were talking there very interesting about inflationary terms. You could almost have been talking about the post Brexit British landscape. We've talked about it here before with you about the inflationary pressures. We're getting some inflation figures as it happens in the coming days. Are we going to start seeing the effect that you talked about that we'll see in the United States already trickling through here in terms of we've seen the mobile phones in particular say that you talked about, they've already gone up. Yeah, I mean, that's a currency effect here in the UK in particular, but uh, it'll be a, it'll be a totally different dynamic in the, in the US. Um, yeah, we're going to see more inflation in, in the UK um, because, you know, you've had 
what, 18% fall in the pound against the dollar, something like 15% against the euro, and at the same time, particularly in the food industries, which is why Toblerone's been... Incre- You've written about that in the paper, yeah. which is people it's still up there at times.co.uk. They've been tinkering with the Toblerone. They, they have, and so you've got more gaps between each, um, each peak and it's because it's not just because of uh, the uh, currency effect, but it's also because raw material prices have been going up, particularly for f- food, sugar, cocoa butter, um, other things like uh, honey and almonds, which also go into Toblerones. In these inflationary times, and, and looking, bearing in mind what we've been talking about infrastructure, are there any particular sectors that you already see from your contacts that they're beginning to shift their portfolios and their investments to? Well, I mean, the ones that will be shifting out of would be those which are exposed to the services sector, the sort of, you know, the, the consumer What sectors. Phil was saying, in other words, yes. Uh, you know, the retailers, which are really not in a position right now to be passing those on to onto shoppers because they probably won't put up with it. You know, many people are still, are still only just re- realising that their wages are starting to increase after after years of stagnation. So it's that certainly is where investors are probably taking their money out of at the moment. Phil, just looking towards the end of the year and the economic outlook, we won't know, obviously, until mid-late January when Donald Trump is, is sworn in. People talk about a new era or a new sort of paradigm, which Mervyn King always said was um, shorthand for someone who didn't have a new idea. But do you sense that the political, sorry, the economic argument is shifting slightly now, the economic dynamics of global trade? Yeah, it's been shifting for a for a little while, the fruits of globalisation have kind of disproportionately gone to, you know, the the wealthy and also to the developing world. And so there's this kind of um, hollowing out in sort of middle incomes in in the developed world, which is exactly the those Rust Belt states in America that voted for Trump, who just who just think that globalisation is a disaster. What they see is very real. They been losing their jobs and wages haven't been increasing the the beneficial effect is the lower prices that they're getting you know for iphones being remarkably cheap for what they are and um, and that you know that's just taken for granted uh, so yeah there's this there's definitely a political and, and economic swing going on I, uh, trump's sort of policies of isolationism just uh, the, the, the you can't hold back the tide you can't halt progress it's he's not he's he's going to give uh, the economy a big stimulus which which may filter through to the global economy and we might all get a bit of a boost next year if um, if we do actually see some of this spending come through quickly but longer term it's just it, it is going to it is going to drag on potential output for for most uh, well for for the US uh, it's just a, a final thought from you perhaps you've lived there for so long now having watched this campaign People talk about the country divided and polarised perhaps in a way as never before. Hillary Clinton, after all, got the popular vote. She didn't get the colleges. Do you think it's going to be a difficult society to pull together and which will inevitably feed through to consumer confidence at the end of the day and how people feel? But do you feel there's going to be a, a long time in healing the wounds from what is, after all, probably the nastiest battle anyone's ever seen? I think it will be difficult, but I am so encouraged by the words that have been spoken by American leaders who were perhaps disappointed by the results. You, Tim Cook of Apple, you know, is trying to get everyone to pull together. He gave that great um, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King quote about you have to just keep on moving forwards. If you can't fly, you walk. If you can't walk, you crawl. You just keep on moving. And I think there has been an, a, an incredible response, actually, from those on the left who are disappointed with this result. Um, just look at what the president said. Look at what how Hillary Clinton worded her words. I think the issue... So I think that from a leadership level, 
things are actually looking pretty good. I think going back to what Philip was saying about, you know, globalization and prices, you know, if Donald Trump follows through, if he tries to make Apple make their iPhones in Indiana instead of China, you know, that's not going to work. And if he does pour all this money into the economy, spending goes up and inflation goes up. The generation of millennials, they have only known no inflation. And it's going to be a really big shock to them if suddenly prices of the things they like to buy start going up. You know, my generation is used to, you know, really high inflation from our younger years. But it will be really interesting to see how that plays out amongst his ordinary supporters. All right, we'll just leave that there. We're going to take a short break. Let's not go down the generational route because I can remember Mark Henry and the wireless. We're going to take a short break now. When we come back, we will indeed be looking at wireless and mobiles. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, it's a big few weeks for the mobile operators coming up into the festive season and we'll be hearing from Vodafone and indeed Talk Talk in the coming days. Here's a clip from a Talk Talk ad. It's the season. Love and understanding. Merry Christmas! Everyone. Talk Talk. For the love of great TV this Christmas. Alex, they're all at it, the same services that they're selling. And it seems to me that what that typified is, it's not just your mobile phone, it's the services. You get movie clips, you get fun games, apps. A big few weeks, presumably, for retailers to try and sell everything they can. Yeah, everybody wants to get people to sign up to subscription services. That's the whole economy is moving to a subscription economy. You get people to pay you a small amount month after month after month and they never let go. And and in the run-up to Christmas, that's what all the phone companies will be doing. I mean, they're looking at... There was once a, a head of national savings, as it used to be called, now national savings and investments, who used to refer to sticky money. This is, if you like, the money that people open used to be post office savings account and then they forget about it for 20 years the same thing I suppose what you're saying about it is that you signed up for it and you forget about it because it's small enough not to really niggle you. Well, it's sticky money and it's combined with confusion marketing. It's so difficult to compare all these plans. That's why sites such as YouSwitch are actually very helpful because if you're just trying to compare all the extras that you get, it's very difficult to make a straight comparison. So it's sticky and it's confusing. Alex, tell me that there is some purpose behind all this. I mean, why does everyone want to spend all their life on a mobile phone checking out comparison websites? I mean, if you're happy with something, why not just buy it? I mean, is there anything really to this? I mean, you're of a generation that knows you spend your life on these... I was going to say machines, but I won't. That sounds really old-fashioned. Yeah, but it always strikes me as the amount of time that people are apparently, you know, checking out price comparison websites and the rest of it, all that time they spent, they could be putting to, to better use and would have been probably more efficient for them in the, in the process, financially. So in, this, in stock market terms, though, when we hear trading updates from the likes of TalkTalk, Talk, anything that stands out, I mean, these are both 
big, big companies now, aren't they? Yeah, they're huge. I mean, whenever um, you know investors or, or market commentators want to benchmark for for the stock market, it's, it's Vodafone that they, they they spring to mind because of its 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 scale and because it's for, for so long it's been such a solid investment, a steady dividend player uh, pair rather. And um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily going to change anytime soon. Philip, I suppose isn't there a wider economic point here though that we talk about better connectivity for helping the economy, you know, the high-speed economy, and yet there's still huge areas, black spots around Britain that can't join in, if you like, the e-commerce or the e-economy, uh, for want of a better word. Would that be money well spent to boost the infrastructure, do you think, if we're talking, if we were talking about infrastructure spending? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, you know, the digital economy, the sort of uber world that we live in now, is that the statisticians just don't know how to measure it so you don't it isn't showing up properly in the in the growth data so and in the productivity data because everybody must be they're twice as productive even even if they are playing games on their mobile phone half the time they're also replying to emails that they wouldn't have been able to reply to you know a few years ago and um so there there, there clearly has been some economic gain from from all of this but it's very very hard to decipher that because the statisticians just do not know how to how to calculate the the impact from a lot of this uh, digital stuff don't you think that people send useless emails now just because they can yeah, I think we get a lot of those, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody does. Everybody does. But Alex, looking in, in terms of the market, we hear this, if you like, smartphone saturation that everybody has upgraded recently and taken advantage of pretty much of everything they can. Does that bode well for the, or not so well for the these mobile phone companies? There's just nothing more they can sell. People have been saying that this is the year or 2017 will be the year where we hit peak smartphone. People are holding on to their devices for longer and more people have got them. But what's going to happen, and you're already seeing this with a company like Apple, they're going to shift from just becoming a provider of smartphones to becoming a service provider and it'll be about the streaming services, Apple Music and those subscription services back to the subscription economy and uh, all this, the software. So they will shift slowly. We'll see a shift in Apple's income. Uh, to coming from services. Does that come also where we talk about this, this content is king, I seem to remember. That's been a very popular buzz expression that people use. But is that is that the truth of the matter? People like Netflix and others are all vying to be able to show half-hour shows. So you have to invest very heavily to have something to keep people occupied or to keep people satisfied, at least. Yeah, it is king. Just, just as soon as BT Openreach gets its broadband connections sorted out throughout the whole country... And at my home. Do, do we, we won't give out your address on air, but um, I hope BT are listening to that. In fact, we'll send them yeah. a link to the podcast afterwards. So hopefully they'll be knocking on your door soon. You'll be lucky. Philip, a thought about this. If we are going to, uh, as you say, it's, it's been very hard to measure. Is there anything you think in the forthcoming autumn statement that Philip Hammond could do to certainly give this really important area of the economy a boost is this something that you hear people talking to you about saying actually it would be quite simple well the extension of broadband like high-speed broadband to parts of the country that don't have it and uh, alex freen's home and course. alex's house yeah, yeah of course that would certainly help um you know a lot of businesses now are rely enormously on you know what has become effectively another utility um if you think about the amount of some marketing opportunities and the amount of demand that you can service in other countries, you know, in, in areas distant from the ba- your base, you know, if you if you don't have decent broadband um, c- 
connectivity, then you know you, you've immediately got a disadvantage. So I mean, that, that is, uh, you know, that is one area that the government has been, you know, is is quite is quite keen to to fix. Although so far hasn't found the the right solution. Well, we know they'll get one vote, don't we, Alex? <laughs> well, thank you all very much, and that's about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with uh, all the news we've been talking about, the developments uh, online, on your tablet, and indeed in the paper every day. If you are a subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. And if you aren't a subscriber, why don't you go to thetimes.co.uk and you can get a subscription for just £1. If you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. And please do feel free to leave your comments. We'd love to hear from you. My thanks to Philip Aldrich, Alexandra Freen and Alex Ralph. They're all on Twitter. So if you haven't already, please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.